Welcome back to another episode of the Growing Up Punk Podcast, a podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. Thanks so much for joining us. We're so glad to be in a new year. Uh, there was a lot of uh, nonsense that happened last year that we are happy to put behind us, as I'm sure you are. Uh, there was a lot of really good music that came out last year. If you want to hear what some of our favorite releases are, you can go back and listen to our uh, top albums of the year, as well as our Guppies, which is um, our award show. Um, so if you want to check those out, you can go and go and listen to those. But thanks so much for joining us again. Uh, 2020 was a really uh, good year for for this podcast, at least in in our opinion. We got to talk with a lot of awesome uh, people and bands. Um, a lot of bands that we've listened to for years we got to spend time with and, and talk with, dissecting records and discographies and all that good stuff. So if you want to go back and check those out, uh, then please feel free to do that as well. Uh, but we're looking forward to this year, uh, to what to what this year has for us. You know, last year brought a lot of unknowns and we're hoping this year, um, you know, maybe have some unknowns as well, but maybe more of, of the good kind of unknowns. Um, but what we're going to be starting this year off with um, is a series on record labels. So as we've mentioned uh, lots of times throughout this podcast, uh, record labels are, are a huge part of this music scene and um, and what got us into music in the first place. And you know, there's, there's so much stuff that, that goes hand in hand with record labels, um, you know, in the punk kind of hardcore metal world. And so we're going to kind of dive a little bit deeper into these labels. So technically, we started this uh, last year. We did an episode with Ryan from Ford Today talking about our favorite Face Down Records releases. Um, and we kind of did that before we, we had this kind of plan in place. Uh, but that's what we're going to be spending the next few months on. And so we'll be um, talking about labels and our favorite releases from them, as well as talking to some of the guys that played in those bands on those labels uh, to hear what their favorite releases are. Because it's, it's one thing for us to talk about it, but it's really cool to hear from guys that were a part of that label, a part of making some of our favorite records, kind of get to share theirs as well. So we're really excited about this, and we hope you will join us for this journey. And uh, if there's a label that uh, that you want to hear about, then please let us know. If we don't have uh, a plan in place for that, then maybe we can uh, check that out. But uh, yeah, so this first uh, episode we're doing here, as you may have seen from the title, is with John, who played drums in Life in Your Way on Solid State Records. And so we're going to be spending some time, or not we are, I'm going to be spending some time with John uh, talking about those those favorite records, and I also chime in and uh, share some of my favorite albums as well. So you'll kind of get to hear uh, the both of us, and then we dive a little bit deeper into the Life in Your Way album because it is one of my favorite Solid State Records albums. You also notice the audio is a little bit weird uh, for some reason when I record on Zoom. The audio makes my voice kind of high-pitched and awkward, so uh, I guess you can enjoy hearing me sound like what it was when I was going through puberty, so lucky you, the first blessing of 2021. Anyways, that's enough from me. If you want to know more about the podcast, please check us out um, on our social medias, at GrowingPunkPod on Instagram and Twitter. You can check out GrowingPunkPod.com, and there's links to all sorts of other things there. Um, music related and podcast related. 
Uh, but for now, that is all from me. Thanks again so much for listening. We're excited about this and what this year has in store. Um, otherwise, here is my time with John from Life in Your Way talking about our favorite albums from, from Solid State Records. Yeah, so today we've got uh, my buddy John. Great to see you, John. Uh, we were just chatting here before uh, hitting record about just how, um, you know, it's, it's great catching up and connecting with friends that we haven't seen in a long time. So me and John got to tour together years ago. We're both drummers, uh, both got families. So, so we've got lots in common, and so it's really great to, to catch up. And uh, so John played in Life in Your Way. Uh, back in the kind of early 2000s or maybe even before that um, and so yeah we're, we're gonna ch we're gonna get into a bit of that but I wanted to have John on today we're, we're talking about some of our favorite solid state records and uh, there's a lot to pick from and so I will just start by saying we're not trying to say these are you know all-time best albums or whatever I, I, I know with a lot of these these albums they come with a lot of memories and people hold them like really close and so you know, we don't want to cause fights saying, how could you, you know, include this record and not that record? There's lots of great records. We'll just start by saying that. These are, are 10 of our favorite records. And so hopefully there's some here you're going to connect with. So welcome, John. Uh, yeah, it's great. Great to have you here. Thanks a lot, Aaron. It's great to see you, man. It's great to reconnect. Um, yeah, stoked to be here. Yeah, right on. Well, we're, yeah, let's just uh, get right into it. So we're going to count down uh, 10 records that were uh, influential and meaningful to us. So we're just going to kind of share a bit about why they were influential or meaningful and why we still love them now. So let, yeah, we'll start with, with number 10. So I, I'll uh, start with number 10. So it's Stretch Armstrong's Rituals of Life that came out in 1999. So I had a friend that uh, he, he either sold me or traded me this album because he bought it thinking it was going to be a punk album, and it was just too heavy for him. And uh, man, I hit the jackpot with this one. Uh, a few stand-up memories for me uh, with this album was, so in grade, I think it was grade 11 and grade 11 English, uh, we had a project, we were reading a book, and one of the assignments was to find a song that kind of, which lyrics of the song matched up with the, the content of the book. And uh, so, of course, you know, being into this kind of music, I was like, oh, what's something like awesome I can because then we had to play like we would stand up in front of the class and we'd play the song. And and then we, you know, we kind of highlight the lyrics from the song and, and kind of how it correlated to the book. And so I picked uh, the opening track from from this album uh, to play in front of the class. So everybody else in the class just kind of picked, you know, like just your. <coughs> Typical, terrible, you know, radio kind of songs because that's what most people are into. And so it was just so lame. Every time I was like, oh, come on, not like this song again. And, and so anyways, I get up in front of the class and, and I hit play on the, the opening track of this. Um, uh, what is that song called? Um, uh, maybe I didn't write down what, that, what the opening track is called. But anyways it just like threw the whole class off. They were just like, what is happening? You know, with the screaming music. And one of the guys after like was asking, was like, why was that song just talking about like killing yourself? And I was like, that's not what the song was about. <laughs> I had the lyrics up like everyone could see, but he just correlated screaming with wanting to die, I guess. So that's so funny. Maybe that's how general people's perspective is of, of screaming oh, yeah. music. But yeah, 
yeah but to, to me i was like angry right <laughs> but i was just so stoked i was like man i get to play stretch armstrong in class and, and i was like i was confident enough in my like style and who i was and i was like i really don't care what anybody else thinks or if they think i'm weird or whatever like this music is awesome and so so that that was a funny memory with that and then in 2002, my first time going to Cornerstone, I got to see them play live. And that was just unreal. Like, I was so stoked to, to get to see them. And, and so, yeah, definitely uh, an, an awesome experience with them. And this album was kind of one of my first introductions to kind of heavier punk or hardcore punk. Kind of up until this time, it was more, you know, just kind of pop punk or skate punk. And um, this album just has so much to offer. It's fast and aggressive, yet melodic and upbeat and dynamic when it needs to be in order to help break up the album. This album has stayed in my steady rotation of listening over the years and holds up very well, I think, even now. Not many bands in this genre can put out a debut album that is this strong and memorable. Did you have any thoughts on this album? Hey, this, I mean, Stretch Armstrong is one of those bands on South State that's like, it really stands out, you know, because there wasn't too many like straight up fast, hardcore punk, you know, especially that like posi kind of thing on the solid state roster you know they're, they're a really stand-up band and so um you know it, when rituals of life came out um in all the way through when revolution transmission came out like both those records were like part of that soundtrack for my, my group of friends you know it, it was they, i mean across the board one of all of our favorite bands um so stretch is probably one of those bands that out of you know besides bands that i've toured with probably a band that i've seen the most times live because they were oh, one of my favorites you know so we, we'd see them and you know uh because i lived, lived in northern virginia so we go you know down to richmond we go up to d i saw them in dc i saw them in maryland uh me and friends drove down to south carolina we saw, we went to the uh they did a video shoot for for the record for the the next record you know yeah. for revolution transmission and we were we were at that video shoot so oh, awesome. um you know that show was a blast the the original lineup hopes fall played that that show too and um you know so stretch armstrong man it, it this is like you know this record rituals of life is is a key record to like the soundtrack of my late teens for sure yeah at, at that point were they like fairly well known within that scene or what was that like then yeah they they, they were well known um and uh you know the shows were just i mean so high energy so, so fun like the very fitting of what I love in hardcore, you know, bands like Stretch Armstrong and Bane, um, where you have like this, you know, really honest outlook, but it's, there's like this, this positive spin on it, you know, where there's, you know, the shows weren't this negative, dark energy. There was just so much fun and just, um, the vibrant, you know, vibe in their shows, like just a blast, you know, everybody sing along, going crazy, huge pylons, you know, crowd walking, all that kind of stuff, head walking. Um, the shows are a blast. Um, like I, I, I never got to see them when they weren't popular, I guess, you know, on yeah. the East coast. So I don't, I don't know, you know, how, how they were in the early stages, but you know, my, my memory of them, it was always the shows were wild and, 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 you know, packed so yeah that's awesome i don't think i ever heard of them coming up to canada so i'm not sure if they did or not but um so i'm just glad i got to see them at, at cornerstone that year yeah yeah i was i was at cornerstone 2001 and, and they were on tour with brothers keeper 
And okay. so I, they, they like did a split set with Brothers Keeper, which was, I, I thought was like, I was blown away because I'd listened to Brothers Keeper and I knew they weren't like a Christian band or anything. I'm like, what the heck, you know, like they're getting to play, you know, like it was, it was, it was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, that, that, those eras, you know, that 2001, I'm sure 2002 was the same where like Cornerstone was just, I mean, it was such an epic experience. So for bands like that, where you're like, you, you have in one location, pretty much like all their, their fans, you know, yeah, <laughs> like it, it makes for wild shows. Yeah, awesome. Well, moving on to number nine, we have Zayo, Where Blood and Fire Bring Rest. It came out in 1998. Yes, this was one of one of the ones I put on the list. And uh, this, so I had, um, you know, the record before, Splinter Shards, and, and, I, and, I, and I liked Zayo at that point. Um, but when I first heard Where Blood and Fire Bring Rest, it was like next level, you know, uh, uh, I, they're such an influential band without, I think a lot of people really recognizing it. Um, that record, it's like, it's so at times creepy and dark and, oh man, it's, it's just, it's, it's amazing. And, um, you know, I, again, being an East coast guy, those guys were from, I believe West Virginia or Pennsylvania stuff. So they came to through my area quite a bit. And um, I remember when the first times I saw them, you know, being a drummer, uh, their drummer Jesse Smith, like he's this big dude, and he had this just power behind his playing that, like, I had never, you know, it was just like I, I couldn't believe how big he made the drums sound, you know. Um, and it's something that stuck with me that I wanted to be this powerful player that, like, I wanted my drums to be like able to be at like the max of their volume, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, that that's that Zayo record. I, I mean, I remember the first time hearing uh, like a song like Ravage Ritual, it starts off with this this kind of neener, 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 creepy guitar and the drums come in and it's like, Oh my gosh, it still gets me excited to, to this day. That record is, is a special one. Yeah. And what I find interesting about a band like Zayo is with their fans, it's like they, you either love Zayo or you just don't really get it. It's not, they're not one of those, you know, like you don't really lump them in, you know, it's like, Oh yeah, you know, I like this band, this band and Zayo's like, yeah. Zayo's like, or at least for me, that my friends that are into Zayo, like it's extreme passion about Zayo instead of just kind of like, oh yeah, they're one of those bands I might throw on. And so, I, mean, I remember hearing this album uh, the first time at a friend's house, and just being blown away by how it sounded. I didn't especially love it, but I was very intrigued and drawn towards it. So I had heard Splinter Shards and enjoyed it enough, but never really got super into Zayo. Kind of besides hearing them on samplers. I could never listen to one of their albums front to back, and I've kind of tried over the years. Uh, but definitely a very cool and influential band that, that did many things that I, I think a lot of other bands were afraid to do. And I've listened to them um, talk on various podcasts as well, and just you know their experience in the music scene, you know, especially in the Christian music scene, and you know the vocals and the lineup changes, and they're just kind of one of these entity bands, you know, where so much has happened you know, members coming and going and, you know, record labels mm -hmm. and, and all this stuff. And I don't know, it's just, yeah, like I said, very in intriguing. And so I like them almost for that sake. Like whenever I see their name, I'm drawn to read, you know, the headline or the news with bit or whatever, even if I'm not going to check it out, really, I'm just like, oh, what's, what's going on with Zayo? Because it just seems like it's always something interesting instead of, you know, just normal band stuff. So yeah, yeah, lots, lots with that one. Awesome. <laughs> so the next one is Figure Four, Suffering the Loss from 2003. 
this is definitely one of my favorite straight up hardcore albums. I wouldn't say I listen to a lot of this style of hardcore, but this album keeps me coming back time after time. Because of the origins of the area that Figure Four I was born out of, so they're originally from Winnipeg, which is about six hours from me, uh, they've always felt like more of a local band to me. I remember hearing about them and listening to them when they first released albums on Face Down. I'd also seen them play a few times around the area as well. So I was super excited when they announced their signing to Solid State and then another album was on the way. I can still picture where I was when I first heard a clip of the new song and it was the opening song, State of Mind. I was immediately hooked. They blend fast-paced guitar riffs and drumming with guttural screams that will make you want to punch something. What stands out to me is how catchy the songs are. And I don't mean that in like a poppy way or how you, know, you might think. Rather in the way that the songs are memorable and easy to sing along to. Just what I need from an album like this. I don't think I'm alone when I say I really wish they would have been able to release another album. This was by far their best work, sonically and production-wise, and I would have loved to hear a follow-up from them. Or what's your experience with Figure Four? Yeah, I can agree with a lot of what you just said. You know, um, I, I, do th- I know that there's maybe people that would disagree with us on what's the best figure for album, but, but I, I do agree that I think this was it, you know? Um, and, uh, the, they were a band that, uh, I got into pretty much, w- you know, with this record and then went back. So that might be part of why, like, you know, it was, um, where it, it, it caught me. I had seen them yeah. play. Um, cause this record was what? 2003. Uh, yeah. So, or, or no. Yeah. 2003. Yeah. I think, um, and, uh, but I'd seen him play a couple years prior to that in, you know, like the live show, like I was into it, but yeah, I was kind of like you where that, that style of heavy hardcore wasn't necessarily a huge part of my, uh, you know, my playlist, you know, um, it wasn't a huge part of what I, what I was listening to a ton of, I always kind of gravitated towards the more melodic and punk based hardcore, um, for the most part, you know? So, um, but yeah, this, this record definitely was where I became a real fan of the band. Actually, the first time I saw them was, uh, it was a really weird show. It, it was in Maryland. Um, and I remember the, the date because a really crazy thing happened in my life like the very next day. Um, but uh, um, it was with, it was Living Sacrifice, um, Squad 5 Ace Troubleshooter, and Figure Four. So it's wow. like an all over the place, mixed <laughs> yeah. genre show. Sounds amazing though. Um, it, but it was just such a fun show. Um, cause you got a bit of everything, you know, but, uh, yeah, really cool band. I, I, I got to see them a few times cause I went to school in Minnesota, um, for college. And so, you know, being that we're just, you know, on the other side of the border, um, they came down to the twin cities quite a few times in the, in the, in my time that I lived there. Um, but for me, I was more stoked when comeback kid came out, you know, cause it was like more def- that, like the style of hardcore that I connected with, you know, um, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, one of the my uh, memories seeing them live, I think it was Comeback Kids, Turn It Around CD release in Winnipeg and Figure Four played. And their guitar player, Mel, had a, I think she had a broken leg. And so she had to play like sitting in a chair. And it's just, you know, <laughs> there, there's a number of, of live concerts you can see online where, where the the people in the band, you know, have a broken something. And it's just so funny. It's like playing this aggressive hardcore and like, she just so badly wants to just, you know, thrash while she's playing, but yeah, yeah. to a chair. And so that was a funny <laughs> memory, but yeah. Awesome show. Yeah. yeah that was so sweet. The next one on the list is strong arm advent of a miracle from 1997. 
the, this record is it's it's probably one of the most influential records on the solid state you know uh discography for me um the interesting thing with strong arm i was i was a bit late to the game with them uh i had my introduction into hardcore was through my friends in school and i kind of found that there's like this you know these christian punk bands you know through uh, a lot of the tooth and nail lineup but some of the you know early like heavy releases like this like this one um i i didn't hear about for a few years you know so i didn't really even start listening to strong arm till they had already been broken up uh, but it became one of these records that like really um was 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 part of the 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 list of bands that really defined where i where i went musically um it was a really influential record for life in your way uh when i was writing stuff with endeavor and um with 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 even some of the conveyor stuff i did like i was it was something that i listened to a lot um you know uh for life in your way we we were probably collectively like a band that all of us would agree was one of our top favorite bands is further scenes forever and so i think that like you know, if you're a Further Seems Forever fan, like there's no way that you're not into or or don't relate to Strong Arm at least a bit because you know there is there is such a, a progression from what the guys are doing in Strong Arm to Further Seems Forever and the, the the style of drumming and the energy and the um, some of the guitar work and stuff. But uh, but yeah, Advent and Miracle, man, this this record really changed my perspective on as a person of faith, like what music could be you know because you because there's always kind of this disconnect of like okay here's these like punk bands that are they're all christian dudes and stuff and they, they you know they sing about their faith a bit and then there's this music in church it's like where you get your like worship in and where you express your adoration in this next level way and it, it i had this disconnect of realizing that like it could be one and the same for a while and it was bands like strong arm early hopes fall that really changed that where i was like holy cow like this music can be my expression of worship you know this my music could be my expression of praise and adoration in in a way that i i just never was able to you know quite grasp um it's a, it, this th this one's really really important to me yeah that's that's a really cool cool perspective and and i love that you know where it can be aggressive and in your face but it still uh, can have you know like a really deep meaning and i mean lots of heavy music has a deep meaning but you know i don't know this bands like this it just kind of came and seemed from like a a different kind of a place and and uh even if you don't necessarily connect with a band like this you can just hear the like the passion that comes out and um yeah i remember hearing first hearing strong arm on a uh, tooth and nail comp i think it was the the first um songs from the penalty box and uh yeah it, it sounded familiar in style but also different enough that i wanted to hear more i was still mostly into punk when i first heard them and so it wasn't kind of until years later that i listened to this album and and just loved it uh, more and more it's definitely one of those bands albums that that i i really love and appreciate and i don't go back to often enough just for whatever reason but every time i put it on it's like oh man like it just kind of takes you back to a different place and and just kind of makes you feel feel something different. So I think that's cool when when a band can do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the next one up is "Beloved Failure On" from two thousand three. It's hard to know what to say about this record. As much has been said already and continues to be said about this band, 
an instrumental band to our scene and an extremely influential band to many whose impact continues to reach far and wide. As with most fans of this band, I too was taken back with their sound, production quality, and the way they were able to craft such dynamic songs. It's as much parts heavy and aggressive as it is dynamic and beautiful. A band that ended way too soon. There are many standout moments on this album, from the opening ringing of guitars and snare roll of Failure on My Lips, to the energy, intensity, and melody of Insult to Injury. Then it ends with this beautiful instrumental moment that immediately makes you want to go back to the beginning and start it all over. To me, it's by far one of the most dynamic post-hardcore, melodic hardcore releases on Solid State, and it easily stands the test of time. You know, I can go back to this album time and time again. It's almost 20 years old, and it can still sound so fresh, and there's so much to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, lots of bands have, you know, kind of tried to copy or mimic this, but I don't know if any have, have come close to it. And, yeah, it, it's still a bummer that, that, that they left us so early. I know there's, you know, they were supposed to be playing at Furnace Fest um, this, this past fall, and, and hopefully still will. So maybe there will be a chance for new music in there, or at least some hope of it. So, so that's cool. Yeah, this, again, is one of those records that was a really big influence on me. Um, Because this was, well, I had first connected with with Beloved through the running EP. um, And I I enjoyed it, but I remember the songs were all like 10 minutes long. They're all super, super long. Um, (laughs) And sometimes when songs are 9, 10 minutes long or whatever they were on that record, I just remember them being really long. Um, where you're like, okay, like there's a lot of really cool stuff here, like, but they're not quite there yet, you know? Yeah. And then Failure On came out, and from the and from the very opening riff, you're like, oh, they're they got it now, like they they hit their stride, like it, they found their sound to a T. Um, and it's such a special record. Um, and and like you said, it, it, I I definitely feel like it it stands the test of time. Like the production on it, it, it doesn't sound dated. The nothing about it makes it go oh this is a record that's old and 20 years old in, in my opinion it, it sounds really current still e- even though the style that they're playing necessarily isn't a current style i think it's still really yeah it really has aged well um it, it was a really big influence on life in your ways so much to the point that when we went to we went to record waking giants like the top of our list was we want to record where failure on was recorded um and yeah. so that's what we're, we end up going we end up going out to um, Western Canada to, to track with the same guy. And, um, you know, I don't think our record ended up turning out sounding sonically like theirs. Um, but, uh, you know, that was what cemented where we wanted to record our next record. Um, you know, the, 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 the beloved guys, like we had never toured with them, but we were so much, they're, they're peers of ours, you know, they're friends of ours. Um, we had played with them. We kept running, you know, whenever we were at Cornerstone or something like that, we'd hang out. Um, they're all, come kind of from the same out of the same time period that the life in your way guys we were a part of you know um and so uh this this is a a record that i'm um yeah i'm happy to say that like i was around for it happening in a way you know that that, that i was an active part of 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 the scene when things like this were were going on it's 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 a really special record yeah, that's cool that, that you used it as a reference because we definitely did that as means as well for a few albums when we took it in. It's like, if you can somehow mix it or put it together like this, yeah, I don't know if that happened or not. I'm not enough of a production guy to, to kind of know if it matched or not. But yeah, and I've seen lots of people post about that too. It's just, 
you know, it's really clean, but you know, it's still aggressive. Like it's not, uh, it's not clean as in, um, like kind of shiny, like a pop punk band or something, but it just, you can hear all the instruments really well. So maybe that's more of the mixing mm-hmm. and, and whatever, but yeah, so, so much good with that. And another band I never got to see live. Uh, thankful that they did record that, that final show on a DVD, which I got and I've watched <laughs> so many times and I should pull it out again and watch it. But um, yeah, definitely a, a unique and special band. Yeah. They're another band that like, you know, when they were first going, they're from North Carolina. I was from Virginia. Um, and so uh, I feel like I got spoiled sometimes being an East Coast kid. You know, I forget sometimes people like you who are in a, an area of Canada. Not a lot of guys, a lot, a lot of bands are touring too. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I was lucky enough to be able to um, see them quite a few times. Uh, actually, the first time I ever heard of the band um, here in Virginia, there was a, a music festival they would do on this college campus called Mac Rock. And so like all these different venues throughout the campus would have shows going on over the course of the weekend. And so like the big one, um, the first night, like this was in, I think 2000 or 2001, uh, the, the lineup was crazy. It had Hope's Fault, it had Converge, it had a Poison the Well, um, Spitfire played, I think it was their final show. It was Spitfire's final show. Um, I think Bane and, might have been American Nightmare uh, were on the lineup, but like the night of the show, something happened where they canceled, they couldn't make it or something like that. But the way I heard of Beloved was I met Joe Moshing to to uh, Hope's Fall. Um, awesome. He was doing these like goofy like army rolls across the pit and stuff, and he's a real friendly guy, you know. He's um, uh, so so we chat a little bit, and he you know told me that he was playing this band, that was playing at like this other small venue on the next day. Um, and unfortunately I was only there for that one day, but I checked out the band. Um, and at the time I was working at Interpunk, which was, you know, this online music store and, you know, in the early, early two thousands, it was like the place you went online to get oh, yeah. band merch. Um, and so, so I worked there, um, and we had their original EP and stuff. And so, um, that's how, you know, my kind of history with the band started. Um, but, uh, yeah, really special band. Um, glad to, to have known some of them uh through you know because we knew some of them through beloved and then we toured with advent so the guys um, that were in, are in advent you know yeah this it's a good crew it's a good crew people. yeah awesome so was the uh was the interpunk like headquarters or whatever was where you lived or what yeah so it was in sterling virginia and at the time i lived maybe 25 minutes away so there were like a group of us from my town that all worked there and we we just carpool together um and yeah yeah so yeah so it was, it was based in virginia yeah that's awesome so it's just like a big warehouse and you just pack orders or what yeah so when i first started there we had like a kind of like a, a smaller size warehouse and then in the same strip of warehouses we had like another one where they did like we printed they they did screen printing and they made buttons and patches and all kinds of stuff um so we made like in-house band merch as well um and, and so part of what they would do is um offer to bands like hey, we'll, we'll make designs for you because we have our own designers. You guys approve some of the designs. We'll print them on our site. And then if you want to sell them on tour, you can buy them from us, you know? Um, so when we first, you know, I first started there, it was like, like I said, two units in a warehouse. And then we outgrew that. And then it like went to a bigger warehouse space. And we outgrew that and went to an even bigger warehouse space. And so it was really the heyday of Interpump because there wasn't anything like us. Um, and uh, it was fun, man. It was like, just this whole company of like 
punk kids, you know, like, like we were all like in our late teens and, you know, in our twenties. Um, and we just were listening to music and goofing off and packing orders and making merch. And it, it was a blast. I really enjoyed my time there. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, did you guys, did you get like a discount on, on merch and stuff too? Yeah, we ha- we'd have an employee discount. And so like we would get paid on Fridays and literally like I'd get paid and then I would, I would like let myself like go order something on the site at lunchtime so I could pick it before the end of the day oh, okay. and, and have like, so like every week I was buying like a few records, you know? Um, and then there, you know, there's times where like the labels are sending you, um, you know, like the, uh, pre-release of stuff, you know, like here, here, here's, you know, demo versions of stuff. Here's, uh, oh shoot. I don't even I'm think of the word I'm trying to, but anyways, they would send us sometimes like 10 copies of a record that doesn't come out until next month, you know? And so like the kind of rule was like leave, I think one or two in the warehouse because we had like stacks of CDs that we like had from the, that we used to like listen to the, they had this big old, like, you know, 50 disc changer CD yeah. player, you know, this is the era before iPods and <laughs> before, you know, streaming music where it was everything we just, you know, so everybody got to in the warehouse, got to pick like, you know, two or three CDs to put in the big CD player. And then we just have it on mix all day in the warehouse. And so, um, you know, the the, when the labels would send us like early release stuff, as long as we kept one or two for the warehouse, like the, the extra stuff, whoever wanted it could have it, you know? So, so we ended up with lots of free stuff too, which is pretty cool. Yeah. That's like a dream, dream job. I can't even imagine that. I do like that was like growing up in a small town. Like that's where, um, I didn't get my first merch from there, but like my first kind of major merch order was from Interpunk. I'd got, you know, a bunch of MXPX stuff and blink and I can't remember what else means. Some friends made a big order and, um, that was, yeah, that was amazing. I mean, that, that site's still going. I'm not sure if it's, if it's near the same kind of amount of busy or not, but. Yeah. I, I don't think that, like, I know that they moved from Northern Virginia down to Richmond years back. Um, I think the site still is active. I don't know if they're, you know, um, as proactive with it as they used to be. Cause I know there's, I mean, there's so much competition and now every band yeah. has, you know, has their own, you know, their have their own control of a lot of their merch too. Um, so, but, but I really do think that they were one of the originators, you know, um, the way it started was the guys that ran it were like really big into this, this punk band screeching weasel. And they were like, man, you can't find anywhere to get their merch. Like they don't have like a merch store or anything like that. So they, they contacted the band and were like, Hey, could we make you guys an online merch store and sell your merch? And then that kind of sparked their idea to go, well, let's just start hitting up all our favorite bands and seeing if they want us to sell their merch for them online. Cause at the time it was like such a new thing to like sell things online, you know? Yeah. Um, so it, 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 yeah, it was a, the time that I was there, I was really lucky to be a part of like, it's, it's heyday, you know, um, before P- that it really had competition. There, yeah. w- there wasn't, you know, I mean the, the, the first like big, the biggest competition at interpunk was smart punk and that was people that worked at interpunk yeah the, this couple this couple that worked at interpunk were from california and they were working for us and they like kind of like secretly were trying to plan their own company and move back to california and launch it and that was smart punk and, and uh, okay and so so smart punk really took off and i think part of what they did is they kind of looked at the interpunk model and figured out okay what are the ways that we can you know do what interpunk isn't doing um, and to, to kind of take them the next level. So for a lot of years, everybody who worked at Interpunk was very anti-smart punk because yeah. of that. I feel <laughs> like, like smart, don't. 
Because I feel like right. Smart Punk was more on like the kind of screamo, post hardcore, like that kind of side. Like, I mean, maybe, yeah. maybe they had some of the same stuff, but Interpunk to me always had the like classic 80s, 90s, you know, punk bands that have been around for a long time. And then, mm-hmm. uh, anyways, that's, yeah, that's a good, good tangent, good way to break up uh, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. list. That's, yeah, sorry. It's- no, no, that's awesome. I, I love that. That gets me excited <laughs> to hear those kind of stories. So, yeah, we're at uh, counting down the last five now. So, number five is Under Oaths. They're only chasing safety from 2004. Yeah, this record, I'm sure there's people that kind of think it might be cheesy that I pick it as, as one of my top favorites for uh, <laughs> Solid State releases. But um, th- this is a really awesome record. Uh, you know, it, they they... I, I was I was a big Under Oath fan before that, you know. Like I, heck, I had Acts of Depression um, on CD because I worked at Interpunk and we actually had it, you know. Uh, I I, this, I had the Changing of Times from the the day it re- was released. Um, I had seen them probably f- three or four times when Dallas was with them. Um, between you know when I was living in Virginia and when I went to Minnesota for school, um, I saw them out there too. But uh, when this record came out, like it was just. I was already in life in your way. We were touring, you know, a good bit. And this was one of those probably, you know, for, for, for a while, like it was a record that we listened to all the time in the van, you know, it's just such a good driving record. You know, it's high energy. It's fun. Um, it's, it's super catchy. And, um, man, when you saw it live, they just nailed it. You know, they had so much energy, um, you know, as a drummer, like watching Aaron play, like the guys just, I, I, I was always blown away how hard and how consistent for how long, you know, I mean, the guy is just a maniac on the drums. He's just a yeah. great drummer. Um, and then you added, he was singing on top of it. You know, it's just, it, it was a really, th- this record, man, I, I feel like was, is, was the peak of something really special where you transition from, Hey, being in a heavy band means you, you just do it for no money. And there's not a lot of, you know, you, there's this rooftop and then a record like that, went hey we're in this new era where you can reach a lot more people than you could before and this record showed you that that like this style of music was something that like could connect with a larger audience um it it, it was a really special one yeah yeah i definitely remember that like because we were listened to uh, the changing of times too and and uh so i mean when I don't know if they like what they released kind of between changing of times and this record as far as like promo or, or whatever. I don't remember that, but yeah, it was definitely a shift, you know, in sound and, and just accessibility. And yeah, this was, this was a huge genre defining album. No question about that. I was super into it when it first came out and I loved their follow-up album to find the great line, but I kind of lost interest after that. There was you know, kind of always something missing for me with, with under oath, maybe just, because they were never exactly what I loved. And uh, so maybe I just often chose to listen to other bands. But all that aside, this band was extremely influential, not only in the tooth and nail solid state scene, but also the the mainstream music scene as well. And and I can definitely appreciate what they did and how they continue to kind of defy the norms for bands um, in this scene. And um, yeah, so this album was was really big for me then. I, I do find it hard to kind of go back to now. I don't know if it's just, like the high pitched vocals or, or something. <laughs> I've, I've tried a few times. And it's like, ah, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like I said, it's, it's a great album. I just, I don't necessarily connect with it the same now 
especially compared to a lot of yeah. the albums on this list that I can go back to over and over again, no problem. Mm -hmm. This one, it's yeah. like uh, maybe a song here or there, but I don't know if I would ever go back and listen to this album start to finish. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's definitely one that like captures a moment in time within the scene, you know, because um, it was the soundtrack for the scene for a, a moment in time, you know, um, very, very defining record of what was going on in 2004 or whatever <laughs> year it was. Yeah, and I also <laughs> maybe feel like the last time I saw them live, so they actually did come to Regina here. But it was yeah. it was uh the lineup was was kind of weird. It was Under Oath and Comeback Kid doing I think it was maybe co-headlining with uh, This Is Hell yeah. and the Chariot. That is very interesting. And so it was kind of like you know Under Oath and the Chariot, you know, kind of these like you know a bit more kind of spazzy bands, and then This Is Hell and the Comeback Kid like just on the far side of kind of like you know hardcore, and this our city here Regina is like or at least at the time, I don't know what it's like now, but well, it was definitely towards the hardcore side. Like, you know, mm -hmm. by the time Under Oath, so Under Oath headlined that show. And by the time they went on, like it seemed like half the people left after Comeback Kid. And uh, so this was when they had Daniel drumming for them. So I can't remember what album uh, Cyclo would have been on, but hey, I don't know. It just, it didn't translate super well in the venue here mm -hmm. and, like they had like a big screen with like video stuff kind of playing and I don't know, it it just kind of came off as kind of lackluster. And so in my mind, it's just like, yeah, I'm just kind of done with under oath, not interesting anymore. So I, yeah. and I know lots has changed since then, you know, Aaron is back and um, you know, again, they've changed their style a bit. So anyways, yeah, a, a very genre defining band. And, and uh, so, so huge props to, to what they've done and what they continue to do for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Next one up is August Burns Red with Thrill Seeker from 2005. So this album just reached its 15-year anniversary, and I can't tell you how many times I've listened to this album in those 15 years. I remember reading that at the time that whoever was the A&R at, uh, at Solid State was looking for a band that was just going to be like heavy from start to finish, and uh, they found the perfect fit with August Burns Red. This album is relentless in the best way. It's not so punishing that you can only handle a few songs at a time like some heavy bands. It has enough open space and melodic guitar work to please your ears, but it also just keeps bringing the riffs and the breakdowns from start to finish. What I loved about this album when it came out is that it didn't sound exactly like all the other metalcore. There was definitely a lot of metalcore happening at the time, but this stood out to me. I think a big part of that was Matt's diverse and technical drumming and how the songs didn't all sound the same. There's something for every fan of metal here, and I absolutely love this album, and we'll keep going back to it, even though they have a huge discography to choose from now, which which I love as well. Uh, but this is, I've kind of gone back and forth with, you know, what is my favorite August Burns Red album? You know, their new mm -hmm. ones are still so good, but I don't know, there's something about this one that, that just stands out to me. I think just because when I heard it, it, I don't know, it just caught my ear, and I just loved it so much. Do you connect with this with this band or album much? Yeah, so August Burns Red, like I, I was lucky enough to kind of be a bit on the ground floor with those guys. Um, one of my early tours with Life in Your Way, um, ABR was doing their probably I think it was maybe even their very first tour, and they played on a few shows with with us, um, and uh, we just connected with them. I remember on that that first little string of shows, um, they end up they stayed 
uh, with me and Josh, the vocalists of Life in Your Way. Um, we were roommates for quite a few years. Uh, they stayed at our place and we just became really great friends with them. Um, so we played, I mean, we played their, the, the uh, EP release that they had before Thrill Seeker. We played like that CD release show. Oh, cool. We did like the Messengers release shows. Um, in 2007, August Prince Red did their first like headlining tour and, and they had us be a part of it too. So that was like awesome. a seven week full us tour that we did with them um so you know thrill sicker is one of those albums that like i couldn't tell you the last time i've listened to it but i probably still know every song on it because i heard it so many times you know yeah. <laughs> just being able to spend all the time that we did with those guys over the years there's so much of their music that i'm really really familiar with but it's just because i, I saw it get played so many times you know anytime we you know because even if we weren't on the road with them or something like that. Anytime that they were nearby, like we go and see them play and hang out with them and stuff. Cause these, this at, especially in the like 2004 to 2007 or so era, like this is one of our best friend bands was August Friends Red. Um, and so much so that like people would hit us up, you know, hit up Life in Your Ways email and be like, Hey, can you guys on August Friends Red, do you want to play this show? And then they would get the same thing sometimes, you know, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, oh, awesome. but you know, as far as like the trajectory of the band in the, in, um, like you know our bands even though we were kind of like starting at the same, they just skyrocketed and we were just kind of slowly following behind um you know so they they they, they became huge and and I, I really think that uh they've they've earned and deserved every bit of success they've had um we uh yeah i i love those guys uh, matt yeah, as a drummer like uh definitely i i think kind of became the blueprint of metalcore drumming for quite a yeah. few years you know where you, you you know you see a record like thrill seeker and and you're, and you're right, you know, it came out in a time that a lot of metalcore was happening and it wasn't necessarily the most different thing that had ever happened, but they, they somehow hit like the, all the right elements to create like this, like, okay, this is the blueprint of how to approach metalcore for these next couple of years. And then you see, you saw just tons of bands, especially drummers start to play in the way that Matt played or, or start to write in the way that Osborne's Red writes their, you know, the, the, the way their breakdowns were, the way that, um, you know, the, the, guitar, the, the drums were set up with the, the two chinas and the bells and like, you know, the, the, there was so much of it that like August Spring's Red influenced for quite a few years. Um, and uh, I, I'm, I'm happy to see that they're still, still at it. I mean, I'm sure that this year has been tricky for them since they're not out on the road and, and usually that's a big part of, of their lives, but yeah. uh but yeah, man, the, yeah, Thrill Seeker was definitely a, a really important record, I think, in the medical world. Yeah, I, I can't tell you how many times I've changed my drum setup to try and match Matt's setup, like <laughs> just how he has, you know, his crashes and like the, uh -huh. you know, the smaller china up here and the bell and the and all that. And yeah, I just I love love watching him play so much have you on, on a side note have you heard uh dustin's side project band um uh, best case no, scenario I no i haven't oh man it's uh i just uh I don't, I don't know where this will line up with with another kind of interview i did with um so me and uh ryan who played in the off the record on tooth and nail we just did a kind of a top 10 underrated punk albums episode and one of them was was dustin's project's best case scenario it's it's amazing really? and and matt uh, matt drums on it too so yeah it's on oh, streaming cool. sites Go it oh it's yeah it's amazing dustin does plays everything and sings and it, it's killer you'll you'll like it for sure but Awesome. That's awesome. Well, that's awesome. We're at our uh, number three. 
So as cities burn, son, I loved you at your darkest from 2005. This was one of the ones I put on the list. Um, and I think it's um, very deserving of being there. Uh, just such a unique band. Um, there's something about this record that like, it's so raw. It's so emotional. Um, it's so dynamic. It, it was just, there's something about it that was so different, but just I, I connected with it so much. Um, and, and, you know, at the time we had, we already knew some of those guys a bit. Um, we had played with the band actually before I was even life in your way, uh, life in your way had played like a backyard show in, in Louisiana with, 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 uh, Cities burn. And they were like this kind of like rock band, um, and TJ was singing and stuff. And we had um, me and my roommates, cause I was roommates with a couple other guys in life in your way when I first moved to Connecticut. Um, we had like their original demo CD that they gave us from that show. And it's, it's rough. So then fast forward and at, we were at Cornerstone 2004 and um, Colin who played bass and at times played guitar in Assy's Burn came up and gave us his demo. And he said, Hey, we're this brand new band. We, we uh, on solid state, we played with you guys in this backyard and they explained it. And um, they gave us this demo and it was songs that end up being on son. I love you at, your darkest and those songs like that caught our attention. We, we listened that, um, those, that, that demo quite a bit. Um, and, uh, that's, I, I remember Colin at that show, um, when he gave me that, that demo CD, he told me that, that life in your way was one of their favorite bands. And that, um, he's like the way that you guys make me feel when I see you live is what I, what I hope our band can be to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that that's such an amazing compliment, especially with how great their band, um, you know, is and uh, just how awesome of guys they are and the the, the impact they've had. They had, um, but uh, yeah, from there they're on my radar. You know, from the, from 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 when I got that demo, um, I was really excited for what was going to come with them. And when "Sun I Love Your Darkest" came out, and we listened to that. It was like, holy cow, these guys are awesome you know like it was just like because we were excited from the demo and and it was interesting because it had some, those songs that were on the demo end up being on the record but they were like they had revamped them they like the orders of them were changed and the songs didn't go to the same places and like it was, it was really interesting um how much they had changed the songs but like there was something about that record that's just man it, it, it i really connected with it um and you know anytime i saw them live too it, it was just they, they they were always there was just something so raw and um special in like what the the emotion that was captured in their voices um both both um cody and tj's um and uh yeah really special record for me yeah yeah it's definitely a very unique and special release for solid state i got this album when i came out because there was some hype around it and and probably just because i was kind of buying everything from the label at that time and uh yeah we, we listened to this album a lot in the means van you know all the guys liked it there's a lot to digest on this album and it continues to mean a lot to a lot of people i finally got to see them live uh, just a few years ago actually and, and they were awesome you know they only played one song from this album so you know they've they switched their styles quite a bit in the last you know number of years mm-hmm. or number of releases and whatever but so yeah it would have been cool to maybe see them when this album came out but they still put on an awesome show and yeah this is another one of those albums that i very rarely kind of go to or put on but when i do or when it comes on it's like oh yeah i kind of forgot about this and there's yeah, just a lot of really cool parts on it and 
and uh yeah a, a really great unique release for sure yeah it has so, this like real back and forth kind of spastic kind of thing and, and even with the like if you listen to the band I'm currently in comrades, you'll hear a lot of this record influence in, you know, Joe's guitar work, especially um, it, it's definitely been something that stuck with me and my, you know, as, as part of my musical influence for, for a lot of years. Yeah. Right on. Well, we're going to uh, go to your last uh, pick again. Cause I want to end on, on one of mine here. So that is yep. focal point suffering of the masses from 1995. This this record, I mean, I don't even know. I'd have to look it up to double check if it was under Tooth and Nail or Solid State. You know, if it was before or after oh, I already yeah. split. You know, because it's because it's early enough that it might have been Tooth and Nail. Um, but but I think because it's a, a hardcore medical record, I, I I relate it to Solid State. And maybe it is. I I don't know. Maybe I should have done a little bit more research. Yeah, that's all good. <laughs> but um, but this this was one of those records for me. Um, when I was in high school. Um, you know, I feel like a lot of 90, late 90s high school kids hang out at the mall a lot. And we had a family Christian bookstore. So, I, so you know, for, uh, the way I got into heavier music was um, I moved to Virginia from Louisiana in middle school. And the first kids I met, like, pretty much introduced me to skateboarding and punk rock. And we always play street hockey. And I ended up transitioning out of skateboarding into rollerblading. And, and um, you know, so I, I just kept that. playing hockey and play, kept rollerblading. Um, but, like... They, they were the ones that introduced me to, you know, the music that, that came with that skate culture, you know? Um, so, so, so much of like, you know, where I got into punk, where I got into hardcore was through skate videos. Um, and through, uh, you know, we were like the young kids in this neighborhood that had older high school kids that skateboarded. They would make us mixtapes with like, you know, all the different punk bands, you know, so I was, you know, as a middle schooler into, you know, bands like, you know, the descendants and seven seconds and, um, you know, they're, 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 you know, introduced to Pennywise and strung out and all this, all this great nineties punk. Um, but with that came, you know, some early nineties hardcore as well. Um, and so as I got a little bit older, I kind of found that there was some bands that were like Christians that were playing punk music and stuff. So, um, the first bands that I got into like on the Christian side were like five iron frenzy, MXPX, a lot, uh, slick shoes, you know, it was, it was a lot of tooth nail records and stuff. So um, I would go to the mall and I'll go to the family Christian bookstore and I would just like try to f check out like CDs uh, based off of like what label they're on or the album cover. And then I would buy them and I'd either like it or I didn't like it, you know? So there's plenty of times that I'd get something and it was a miss. I, I wasn't digging it at all um, because you didn't have the chance to really, hear it before you for, before you bought it you know yeah. um, and this record from focal point was one of those records where the 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 album cover on it is super iconic like the artwork was just something that just stood out to me and i'm like this looks like something i'm gonna like um and so this is mid 90s where you know like i said i was listening to a lot of punk but the hardcore in that era you had this that kind of that groovy metalcore thing that was happening you know um and so i got home i played this record and immediately i was like Oh, this is like Earth Crisis, you know. Like it was, it, it was in that it, this, you know, fit into I, I, you know that that world of of, of Earth Crisis, and it didn't really sound like Snapcase, but like in that in that 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 side of the scene of of yeah. what hardcore was doing at the point. Um, and I didn't know that there was any bands that were Christian that were doing that. You know, it was kind of the first 
record I'd heard that was like in this, like, and to me in that secular genre of hardcore metalcore that I, you know, cause to me, that was all the bands I listened to on that side. None of them were Christian. You know, I didn't know it existed. I mean, this was, you know, the band that made me realize that there was Christian bands playing, you know, metal and hardcore, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I had, uh, I had this album on tape, uh, but never on CD. I actually just mailed it to, to a guy this week. I went through, I had all these old tapes that I've been uh-huh. holding on to for years that like, I think most of them I bought at Cornerstone in 2002 and uh, I just bought them. So I was like, Oh, this is awesome to have it on tape. They were super cheap. And uh, they've, I've just, they've been sitting there for 18 years now. And so some guy was interested <laughs> in them. So anyways, uh, yeah, really cool, cool release that, you know, I, I didn't really know how to appreciate when it came out. Again, I would hear songs on compilations, but it wasn't until later that I listened to it more and really came to appreciate it. And yeah, this is a must have for anyone of Spearfield hardcore or, or even just like you said, that genre of hardcore, there's, there's a lot on this and yeah, super cool release. And I, I think that was the only, only real release they did or did they have anything after this? I think this was the only one, you know, cause they ended up, it was the, um, what the Clark, one of the Clark brothers was in the yeah. band. So I think it, it was like, you know, they did training for utopia and oh, yeah, that's right. um, yeah, the yeah. demon, de- I think they're de- the demon hunter guys yeah. and stuff like that. So they, they're, they have kind of a, a long history of, of other bands, but, uh, but yeah, I, I definitely think focal points on this band, like with the current climate of like that, you know, 90s metalcore revival, like this is a record that I think that, that people that are into what's going on right now in, in some of the more underground metalcore would really, would really dig it. Um, you know, it, it, it's very, it's very fitting with, with what's going on. Yeah, right on. All right, well, we're at number one, the most influential, the best <laughs> album. Just kidding. Everyone can just relax. Not, not saying it's not those things, but anyways. Life in Your Way is Waking Giants from 2007. So this album, this album was huge for me. Myself and the rest of the Means guys, we were all huge fans of Life in Your Way. Uh, I had, I, I'm not, I went to got it from Interpunk, but I had ordered the album. Um, was it on the Blood and Ink records? Was that uh, yeah, what was that full length called? The one before? Oh, on Indie, we had we had two records on Indianola records. So oh yeah, the so, one yeah, sorry, right before Indianola. it was uh, Ignite and Rebuild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was the yeah Indianola? And sorry, one, I got those ones confused. Yeah, yeah so I, I had that one, and I mean we listened to that one. Um, a ton and so we were super stoked to to hear when you guys had signed to solid state and um then you had a, a new album coming out and and uh, the first year so I, I guess it would have been 2007 uh, and mm-hmm. like we had signed to face down we had put out our first album on their tunes we were playing cornerstone and i can't remember where we were coming from if we had just got there or whatever or if we were coming from another show but I can just picture myself and the guys like just booking it, just running to make your guys' set. And we could hear your like first song starting and, and uh, just, I don't know, just a really cool memory of, of just being so excited to see, you know, at, at this point still, like we, we had started to tour, um, but you know, in our minds, you know, every band on a signed label, you know, was huge and, you know, just had all these different expectations, mm-hmm. you know, cause we'd seen, ads and magazines and we were all from a small town and and so anyways we just remember being so stoked to to finally get to see you guys play and uh yeah and it was awesome 
And uh, yeah, this, this album just has so much to enjoy. It's heavy, melodic, catchy, easy to sing along to, deep lyrical content, but easy to relate to, has great production on it. And it was and continues to be a great record that, that I can throw on whenever. Um, I just put it on a few weeks ago and I was cleaning at, um, at my office and it just, I don't know, it brought back so many good memories and, and uh, you know, then it would have been the year later or maybe that year that we got to tour together and become friends. And, mm-hmm. and that's like one of the highlights for, for all of us. Like if you would ask us, you know, who were our favorite tours we ever did, um, that Life in Your Way um, one was definitely one of those just getting to hang out and goof around and get to hear you guys every day. And yeah. so, um, yeah, that, that was awesome. And so, yeah, I just thought, I thought it'd be cool to maybe dive a little bit into, into this release and the band. And, um, yeah. So what, what do you remember about sure. writing and uh, recording this album? Uh, well, well, first off, man, uh, thanks for the kind words. Like it means a lot. Like, uh, that's really special, you know, cause it's, you know how it is where you, you, you work really hard towards things and uh, you have your perspective on things, but to hear somebody else have such uh, positive connection with something that, that you're a part of means the world. So man, thank you for sharing that. I, I really appreciate it. Um, it. I think one thing that's so cool is that like we were, we're, we're part of this music world where our peers could be who influenced us. And you know, like the people that we were looking up to are the people that we were like admiring what they're doing could turn around and end up be our friends. And, and that's, what's so cool about the world of music we got to be in is that like, you know, life in your way and means like we, we got to co-influence each other and be great buds. And, you know, I feel that way with beloved and feel that way with as he's burn and under like these, these bands that like, you know, I'll put them on some, you know, I would put, we've put them on this list of, of, you know, our, our favorite releases on this record, but a lot of these bands end up getting to be our friends and, and they were our peers. And that's, it's something so special about what we've been able to do, man. Um, so thank, thank you for, for the kind words. Um, but yeah, sorry, what was your question again? Just like what you remember about writing and recording this album, maybe like compared to, um, to the last album, to the previous album, or, you know, what were you kind of going for Were your expectations met, you know, recording, um, you know, with, with that producer, was it Garth? Garth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was with Garth, um, and and he had a guy, um, this guy Ben, whose name is Kaplan, who uh, kind of like took the reins on the lower budget projects, you know. So, because um, Garth was big, I mean, he had gotten famous for um, doing Rage Against the Machine albums, and yeah. uh, he had worked with a lot of you know Alice Cooper and like a lot of big records. So it's like a, a, like kind of a unique place that we ended up at, um, but it it was you know, uh, the guy Ben who worked there, he was the one who did the beloved record. And so like, that's why we went there, you know? Um, and, uh, but so, you know, writing that record, um, compared to the previous one, um, I feel like, uh, you know, as a group, we kind of, we, we, we found our, our, our real connection with one another because, you know, Ignite Rebuild was a group of guys that were kind of didn't know each other that well yet. Um, you had the Kellum brothers, Josh, the vocalist, and Jeremy, the bass player, who, you know, they had started the band. They've been the band from the beginning, pretty much. And, uh, um, but for Ignite Rebuild, uh, I was, had, had just joined the band, um, for, you know, the previous year to start writing that record. And then our guitar players that ended up recording that record were, were newer as well, too. So the, 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 the band had went through a pretty drastic um, lineup change 
going into Ignite Rebuild. So I think on that record, it was like, we were kind of like, there's this mixture of like, okay, what is our individual approaches to this? But we're also trying to follow up a sound that was already created by the band on the previous record um, because they, they had put out a record, a, a first record, a, um, you know, two ended up being on Indianola. So Waking Giants was our third full length. Um, so I think for Waking Giants, it was something that as a group, you know, we had grown comfortable with each other. We had already written a record together. And so we found our stride in writing a bit. Um, so, you know, the writing of it, I mean, we, we, we spent a, a, a ton of time writing it, but, uh, um, you know, we were really happy with what we came out with and, and, uh, um, you know, the, our experience recording it was awesome, you know, because in night rebuild, we had like a week to track it and this, we were there for a month. Um, awesome. and so, um, it, it was, it was night and day, the stress level of trying to make this record. Um, you know, for, for, for me, for a night real, for example, uh, I, I went to a studio, the studio and we hadn't set up like any of the click tracks ahead of time. And the tempos were, were, you know, some parts were faster than we've been practicing. Others were slower. And so like, it was just awkward to record. I didn't perform well. I was stressed out. Um, and I was really rushed in it. So there's parts I felt like I had to compromise and, you know, the, the record is definitely, you know, there's stuff that I'm like, oh, I never ever played it that way live yeah. because it wasn't really what I wanted to record. It's just, I just was having, you know, trouble locking in what I needed to. Um, so Waking Giants was so different because I was like, I don't want to have that experience ever again. And so we actually mapped out all the tempos. We practiced them all. Um, you know, we'd be blaring the click through the PA sometimes, or, you know, I'd have my ears and I'm counting off. And um, so by the time we got to the studio, like we were all really comfortable with the, like, okay, this is what we're recording is exactly how we've been playing these songs. And that was huge. And, and just having, um, you know, a great performance for the, for, for the recording. Uh, you know, the, the only issue that I really had there was I was bored out of my mind. Like once I tracked my drums, cause you know how it is drums go first. Yeah. I was there, you know, I was like, you know, three days in and I'm done. And I'm there for another four weeks in Western Canada in the middle of the mountains where there's, nothing to do except for play frisbee golf which was fun but once you play frisbee golf like three or four times a day for a month you're like ready to get back home yeah, um but uh, other than that yeah it was, yeah it was it was a really really special experience yeah do you do you remember kind of what you were guys were trying to accomplish with this record and do you feel like you succeeded with that so whether that was you know touring more or like just gaining more exposure or getting a certain message across or or anything like that yeah. Um, I mean, one of the big things for us was as we approached, you know, we, we had been in discussions with solid state for quite a few months leading up to a signing. And when we went and recorded waking giants, we hadn't even signed the contract yet, but we both, both parties were committed to each other. And it was just a matter of like, you know, the lawyers working out the contract kind of thing. And that was a slow process. So for us, like we felt this, this deep um, weight of like, okay, this record label is about to invest more, more into us than anybody has, you know, um, you know, the, just the cost of the recording was so much more than what the other, you know, the other label had been able to do for us. And we knew that like with this record, we were going to get a chance to um, be heard by a, an audience that like we'd had, you know, a larger audience than we'd have ever gotten to. Um, so, so we really, went into it with a lot of intentionality that we knew like, Hey, like this, we need to give it everything. We need to be so hyper-focused um, you know, we were very serious about it, you know? Um, and, and cause we wanted to, 
be good stewards of the opportunity we were given. You know, we wanted yeah. it to be something where like we didn't just take it for granted. Um, and we wanted it to be something that hopefully would impact people in a positive way. You know, um, I, I think that, you know, we, we were in this unique time where there was a lot of, you know, up and coming Christian music happening, you know, in like, you know, metalcore and punk and all that stuff, you know, there's the, the, the scene was growing. Um, and so we knew that like, what, you know, we were kind of different where we were a band that like was kind of a part of that scene, but also not really, you know, so we knew that like being a part of solid state that we were going to be a little bit different, you know, we were going to be, uh, you know, we, had those fans that saw us more as a hardcore band and then other bands who were fans who were people who are more into hardcore didn't see us as a hardcore band. They thought us as a metalcore band or, um, you know, melodic hardcore, you know, we got labeled a lot of different places. People didn't know really where to put us in a lot of ways. And so, um, you know, we, we knew we had a a unique opportunity, um, and that there's probably, you know, thousands of other bands that were hoping to have the opportunity that we had, you know, to be on a a label like solid state at that time. So yeah, Yeah. it, it, it was, it was it was definitely like a a big thing, you know. We were we were really aware of the opportunity that we were given. How do you feel the album like the response was like either at the time or looking back? Like was it did it meet your expectations or or not? Like did you get the opportunities you were hoping to, you know, from signing to solid state or was there any kind of expectations that that weren't met? We we ran into some challenges leading up to the release of it. It like the release date got pushed back and we were having issues with, with mastering where we had, um, we were really happy with the way the record sounded. And then they, they like, I think like the, the, the guy that worked on the cheaper projects at the mastering company was the one mastering our, our record. And we had a lot of issues with it. He sent us a master and like no vocals were on one of the songs. And then he sent us another master and there's like a skip in one of the other songs and another one he sent and all the painting was gone. And so we had like all these issues with the mastering where we're like, mm what the heck is going on with the record? And so we, the rec, the final that we picked was actually like a, a, a master that we had rejected originally. Um, so, so for us, we were kind of like in this weird place of like, man, we just put so much in this record. And then now like, it's not sounding the way that it was when we left the studio. And we're, we're like, but the, they had already had, they ended up having to push the record back a month from releasing. And they were like, where they're going to have to push it back several months because we're going to like miss that section of the cycle, you know, and they're going to wait until summer. And so we're like, okay, fine. Like, we'll just, this is the one that we're the least uh, have issues with. We're going to, we'll, we'll pick this master. Um, and that was what we released. But one of the rejected masters where there's no vocals on one of the songs was actually what got leaked. Um, and so it's kind of funny because once we started touring on the record, um, people would come to us and like ask us about like, Hey, like what made you decide to do beneath it all as a, a, an instrumental? And we're like, it's not an instrumental. Like it's just the legal download version yeah. that you got. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so frustrating like, it doesn't yeah yeah um, so you know and as far as like uh the response we got and like you know where our expectations met as far as like how the records were received it was it was um you know we were we saw growth as a band because we went from being on indianola which was a smaller smaller label to solid state which was one of the more dominant labels at the time so we saw this you know this real growth in the way that you know um, people were responding to our band and that was really cool. But the, 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 uh, the record kind of came out at like a really tough time in the industry. Um, you know, uh, I remember at Cornerstone this summer, 
after the record came out. So the, the, the record came out in like March of 2007. And then, you know, that, that summer cornerstone, Brandon Ebel, um, like wanted to talk with each of us individually. So he took us each aside and like talked to us. And, and when he talked to me, he told me, he told me, um, he's like, Hey, like, uh, you know, we're sorry that the record isn't doing as well as we had anticipated. We, he's like, record sales are down like crazy across the board. He's like, we thought this was going to be the next, their only chase of safety. We all love the record. We all love what you guys are doing. We want to put out your next record, but like, we don't know why this thing hasn't blown up. Um, and, and that was a really wild thing. You know, I mean, it meant a lot to us that he took the time to, to say, Hey, look, we're invested in you guys. We love what you're doing. Um, and then, you know, cause for our end, we're like, okay, maybe it's not blowing up, but like we were growing. So we were happy, you know? Yeah. Um, so, um, but we, um, yeah, it was, it was a weird time, you know? Um, we, I had been going through a lot of stuff personally, uh, right when the record came out, we went through member changes, like shortly after the record came out too. So that put like us in a really weird, weird state, um, that year that it came out. Cause here we are like putting out a record we had worked our butts off for and that we were really excited about. We have this new opportunity to be on a new label and then we're, we're down both guitar players. Um, yeah. so that was a really, it was a really challenging year on that side of things. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's interesting. You know, just your comment about the, the record not doing as well. And, and that's what I'm always interested with, you know, when bands sign to these bigger labels, like you have these expectations of these hopes, right? It's like, okay, well, band like under oath did it we've got the same, you know, team or somewhat of the same team. Like, so you have these expectations, right? I remember we had the same with, uh, with sending you strength on face down thinking like, okay, like come back kids, you know, the only other Canadian, um, hardcore band on face down. Like we, we knew we weren't, you know, the same musically as them, but we were influenced by them and, you know, similar enough mm -hmm. genre. And so you have all these expectations and then when it's, you know, met differently, or not how you expect like it's disappointing but there's not really anyone to blame it's just the music scene shifts and comes and goes you know when they put turn it around out like that style of kind of posy hardcore was just exploding and when we put sending mm -hmm. you strength out like you know we toured with a mirror and like that's what was exploding like just that super heavy deathcore you know breakdowns oh, yeah. and so like when we tour with ben like them people just stand around and watch us being like when's the breakdown coming? It's like, yeah, we don't really have <laughs> those kind, you know? And so you have yeah. these expectations oh. and you know, it's a bummer. Cause it's like, man, like what would have it been like had life in your way exploded? Like under oath did like, it, it's just, I'm sure it's kind of that frustrating, like, man, like that would have been so cool. Like the places we could have gone, the things we could have done. And it doesn't take away from what you did do and the experience you had. But you know, even still for me personally, it's like, man, like what would have been like, had we gone to Europe or, you know, headlined a tour where 500 people were coming a night or, or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. All these things that you kind of play up in your mind. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the, the thing is that that, that comparison game, it, it just sucks joy, joy away. You, know, yeah, you, you sure. can't let yourself get too caught up in it. And, and, and thankfully, um, you know, even though I think maybe the label felt that way about like, man, this isn't meeting our expectations. We never really felt it to that level. You know, um, we were, we, you know, I think for the most part, we kept our heads on straight pretty well about it. And, and, and personally, I, I feel like, you know, I was so distracted with some of the other personal life stuff I was going through um, at the time that like the record, I, I mean, the, anything that, that 
let me play music and share music was like just my, it was such a huge source of my joy in life that like whether our shows went from 50 kids to 200 kids instead of 500 kids, like the growth there, the the change that we saw was something we were all really excited about. Um, And and for me, like if I, I I don't think I would have, I would have this kind of long music career to the point that, you know, just last year, I was still regularly out on the road. And, and if it wasn't for COVID and it wasn't for my daughter, like this year might've looked the same way if I had got caught up in that, like, well, what if this, or I, you know, put yeah. in enough time here and my friends are getting this, you know, um, I, I'm really grateful that like, I've been able to kind of um, keep that, that, the, that noise out of, out of my head a bit and just go, okay, the fact that I get to share any music with anybody, um, the fact that there's anybody who's interested in what I'm a part of, like is a huge blessing. And I'm so grateful because this, you know, the thing, the, the things that we got to do, the creating music, putting it out and then getting to tour it. Like, like, I mean, we lived our dreams, man. You know, oh, like yeah. it, it's, it's the thing that we daydreamed about and it became a reality in our lives. And that's so cool. We're, there's so many people that like never got what we got the opportunity to, to do. And I, and I think for bands like life in your way, it means it, it's funny. Cause I think when we were putting out, you know, our releases in 2007 and 2008, we're touring together and all that kind of stuff. Like, um, it was like in a lot, a bit of like the lull of melodic hardcore, you know? Yeah, and definitely. so then our bands break up and I think you, you fast forward a few years and then all these bands like, you know, counterparts and hundredth and all this stuff started to come out and they became the next like era of this thing that I think that if we didn't do what we did in our era, they wouldn't have done what they have done in theirs, you know? Yeah. Um, and those are the kind of bands that have cited bands like ours as a huge influence. And, and for a band like life in your way, it was like, you know, uh, once we announced that we were breaking up, I mean, we did that whole tour with you guys in four today after we had already announced that we we're going to be breaking up. Yeah. You know, we did that full t- U S tour with you, with, with you guys. Um, and, uh, we did, uh, like another tour out to cornerstone with once nothing. And then the week after cornerstone, we played the last show in Connecticut and then you, and you guys came out for that, you know? Yeah. Um, so it was like, it, but those shows, I mean, like once we announced we were breaking up, it became, we, we saw such a difference in the way that people treated our band. You know, we came kind of like a band that I feel like not a lot of people, it was, it wasn't on a lot of people's radar to, Oh shoot, this band's breaking up. Now it's kind of cool. Like, you know? And so like, once we were on our way out, we saw like a lot more people interested in what we were doing. Um, so it, I mean, it, it's funny how that works where sometimes when something's gone, then people start going, Oh no, this thing's really cool. I'm really into it. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Well, yeah, lots of, yeah, I wasn't trying to spin that in a negative way. Uh, I guess yeah. just with anything, right? You want it to succeed. You want, you know, the most people that can to, you sure, know, in our case, sure. to hear the band. And and uh, so anyways, yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, well, we're going to wrap yeah. it up. I, I want to, I'm curious to hear what or how you feel Waking Giants kind of sits in the, the Salt State discography. So, I guess take that kind of whatever way, like how do you kind of find it, it, its places within, you know, some of the releases you mentioned from 1995 to, you know, even up to now, how do you kind of feel it fits in there? Um, as far as like, I, I, I feel like it's a record that the people that knew the band, like our, our, like we were a band that probably means had a similar thing where you felt like the people that loved us really, really loved us. And then for, but, but in a lot of ways, a lot of other people didn't catch on to us. 
Um, so for some people, it's still like I hear it all the time when I'm on the road. Like it's it's amazing a record that I was a part of. You know, came out 13 years ago. Um, that there's still people that will put it in their top five currently. You know that that's pretty amazing. Um, but I do think it's a record that because we were a one a one release solid state record band in an era when there was kind of this little bit of a lull after like, you know, it was, it was like, you know, you had under oath, you had beloved, you had haste today, you had um, Norma Jean, the chariot, as he's burned, all these bands were humongous. And then you had kind of, we were on the tail end of that where you had life, life in your way, destroy the runner in LXL once nothing like bands that um, didn't quite have the same, you know, audience. Yeah. Uh, we were in kind of that little bit of the, the downslope, I feel like. So I, I, I think, it's an often a record that like it's kind of lost in the solid state releases, but I would hope that people that are fans of, you know, August Burns Red and um, because of our history with them, like maybe they'll think about, you know, giving us a listen, but uh, you know, Assy's Burn, um, Beloved. Uh, I, I feel like those bands, uh, those more melodic bands are, are like, are, are, you know, the ones that we, we fit in the best with. Um, I don't know if I really answered your question. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm curious. I mean, especially that's a that's a kind of a hard question because there's there's so yeah. much there. But no, I think you answered that really good. Just you know, there's different tiers within the labels, and and uh, it, there is something to be said about you know you know passionate fans because a band like Under Oath is going to have millions of fans, but maybe less like passionate ones because you know, maybe there's more bands like that, or it's just not as accessible, um, mm -hmm. accessible as in, you know, like you can't walk up to them at a show and hang out. Whereas, you know, bands that, that like life in your way, you know, any show you played, anybody could come up and hang out with you guys and, and whatever. Yeah, and so, yeah. you know, you kind of grab onto that more. So, but, uh, yeah. yeah, well, John, this has been awesome. This is so fun. Just talking yeah. about albums that, that meant a lot to us and getting to share these memories. So, Thanks so much for yeah, taking I think the time. I think we're showing our age by our, our choices, though, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think well, our, the, the newest one we picked was 2007 or something. <laughs> yeah, well, there's, you know, and, and there's there's still a lot of good stuff coming out on Solid oh, State. But, sure. you know, sure. I, I think with, with a lot of things, like whether it's music or, you know, toys or games or whatever, you know, like that era was when things like, you know, maybe some of it, whoops, like wasn't as good because um, we didn't have the same kind of technology or whatever, but I don't know. It's just an era where things kind of last, you know, like things now, Yeah. you know, if I'm just starting to discover bands now, they're probably not going to be my favorite band in 10 years. It's going to be like what I first latched on to what first made an impact sure. on me. So I think that's why yeah. these records still stand out because there's so much attached to it instead of just, oh yeah, I heard their song on a playlist and whatever, you know, like there's nothing to grasp onto that doesn't change my life you know i'm not seeing the cd artwork in the store like you said with focal point and it's like man this grabs me i'm gonna spend time with this and then it ends up being like still something a part of your life yeah. 25 yeah. years later you know so right right there's definitely something to be said about that i think so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but yeah well thanks for your time john i yeah i, I think people will will love getting to hear this and hear our thoughts and and if uh, people have arguments or, or want to fight us on our choices, then then go ahead. It's not going to change your mind. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Aaron, man. I appreciate it. It's great seeing you, Bill. Yeah, awesome. We'll talk to you later. All right. All right. Take yeah. care. Bye. Bye.